don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the show. So, if you did not listen to yesterday's episode, we are jumping right into the middle of a piece today. Um, uh, yesterday has the introduction. This is a piece by uh, Turtemeister and uh, uh, Mihil. Uh, I'm not even going to try it again. Uh, it starts with an L. And you can, uh, this, these are the guys from Adamant Capital. And it's a report titled Bitcoin in Heavy Accumulation. And we went over the um, kind of the, the general stats of like the volatility index and the unrealized profit and loss and how we seem to be turning out of the uh, bear market. And uh, the data seems very analogous to what happened in 2014 and 15 as it rolled into 2016 into the bear market. I mean, excuse me, out of the bear market. And then we are starting today with uh, part four, risk analysis. So what are, uh, what are the possible events that could unfold to cause lower prices, even though it looks like uh, a lot of the data is turning around? So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Four, risk analysis. What are the credible catalysts for lower prices? As always during bear markets, it's important to consider potential factors that would cause further negative demand shocks. Let's consider a few. Bitcoin exchange hacks or failures. Bitcoin exchanges and custodians play an important role in the ecosystem. When MT Gox failed in February 2014, causing 6% of all Bitcoin in circulation to be deemed lost, the Bitcoin price crashed by 50% in short order. Given that no one exchange today has achieved the market dominance of MT Gox at the time, a similar shock is unlikely. However, we still see exchange hacks or failures as the most important source of potential negative demand shocks for Bitcoin in the coming six months. Quote, Crypto mystery. Quadriga's wallets are empty putting the fate of $137 million in doubt. NPR, March 2019. Quote, This whole Quadriga debacle would have been much alleviated or even anticipated if exchanges were committed to proofs of solvency. Nick Carter, February 2019. In July of 2018, we conducted a survey among what we consider to be Bitcoin's most renowned operational security experts. We handpicked 21 non-exchange affiliated experts, all of whom are listed on the Hive.1 Top 100 Bitcoin Influencers ranking. 13 of them filled out our survey. First, we asked, quote, Looking at the currently operating third-party Bitcoin custodians, what makes them most vulnerable to catastrophic loss of funds? End quote. The top three responses were, General lack of security expertise, 84%. Insufficiently hardened procedures, 77%. And insufficient audits at 
Next, we asked our experts for their view on the custodians, exchanges, and hedge funds in the space. Graphic. In your opinion, over the next two years, what percentage of the following institutions will suffer a hack that causes customers to lose funds? Cryptocurrency custodians, exchanges, or hedge funds? Be sure to download the full report if you'd like to look at the data from this chart. End graphic. Note that this survey was taken in the midst of the ICO boom, so it's understandable that crypto hedge funds, most of which at the time engaged in self-custody, were considered the riskiest. Next, our experts were most worried about Bitcoin exchanges, where most responses indicated an expectation that over 20% of exchanges will get hacked before the summer of 2020. Larry Cermak, analyst for The Block, estimates the total stolen from crypto exchanges currently at $1.3 billion, with approximately 61% of the thefts in 2018 alone. While cryptocurrency custodians were perceived to be the least risky, our experts still estimated that before the summer of 2020, an industry-wide 10-15% to 15% of custodians would suffer from loss of funds due to a hack. 2. Macroeconomic Downturn While Bitcoin was historically not correlated with overall markets, its relatively high liquidity makes it an asset that could be used as a proxy for cash in the case of an equity or bond market downturn. This could lead to a situation similar to the 2008 paradox of the gold price declining by over 30% from sales to raise cash to meet margin calls, coinciding with a record high demand for coins and bars. Without going into too much detail, let's look at the S&P 500 through the lens of Schiller's cyclically adjusted P-E ratio, or price-to-earnings ratio. CAPE, by many seen as a potential indicator of irrational exuberance. As you can see, U.S. stocks are currently trading at a 36 multiple of 10-year earnings, which is expensive by historical standards. Begin chart. Uh, I would definitely encourage you to go look at this one um, because you can see that uh, the multiple that we're at now has only been surpassed twice um, in data all the way back to 1880, and that is in 1929, just before the Great Depression, and then in, looks like, the very late 1990s during the dot-com bubble. End chart. That being said, we don't see a financial crisis as a long-term headwind for Bitcoin. On the contrary, just like what this recent Bloomberg write-up hints at, we believe that Bitcoin is of compelling value for investors looking to diversify their portfolios for protection against tail risks in both global bond and global stock markets. 3. Secondary Bitcoin Mining Capitulation Because of their large turnover and capacity to hold or sell coins, Bitcoin miners have an outsized influence on the boom-bust cycles of the industry. Bitcoin's supply currently increases by 3.7% annualized. This new supply is distributed among Bitcoin miners who vie for the chance of receiving the block reward. This causes miners to collectively throttle the Bitcoin price by hoarding during a bull market in order to maximize profits. The supply constraint pushes prices higher. Conversely, during a bear market, miners will sell more coins to pay bills, which leads to increased price pressure. 
With a total hash rate now of 44 exahash per second, there are currently about 3.1 million mining machines in operation around the world. The most widely spread is Bitmain's 14 terahash per second flagship miner, the S9, of which around 2 million were sold in total. Assuming specs similar to the S9 and electricity costs of 5 cent per kilowatt hour, most miners can make a profit as long as the Bitcoin price is above $3,250. The break-even point for 4 cent miners is $2,600 per Bitcoin, and for 3 cent miners, $1,950. So there's an argument to be made that should the Bitcoin price drift down towards $3,000, this could trigger another capitulation event in the mining space, where Bitcoin miners operating the fleet of outdated rigs go out of business and where their Bitcoin holdings are liquidated to pay for the remaining liabilities. The scenario above is contradicted by last November's 30% decline in mining difficulty, which was the largest drop in difficulty since the 2011 bear market. This sustained drop in hash rate strongly suggests that a huge amount of mining rigs went offline in that period. In our experience, the Bitcoin mining market is very dynamic, and information is often disseminated faster than can be registered by analysts. We are inclined to favor the blockchain-based analysis that suggests Bitcoin mining capitulation did in fact happen last November. 4. Other Factors Given the pending litigation, it is unlikely, but still possible, that the MTGOX trustee begins distributing the 140,000 Bitcoin that it currently has under management. A significant percentage of this could then be sold by the claimants. A contentious hard fork has historically been a recurring fear factor in the Bitcoin space. However, we don't think this is a significant factor today because A, these fears only ever seem to have a short-term effect on the price, and B, there are currently no fork-related controversies in Bitcoin. It is conceivable, however, that later in the year, regulated Bitcoin companies could push back against the proposed BIP33, which is expected to significantly increase privacy in Bitcoin on-chain transactions. Finally, a regulatory crackdown should be considered a permanent risk factor, given the disruptive nature of Bitcoin. Nevertheless, no serious proposals have been made in that regard. In the vast majority of the world, Bitcoin is accepted as falling within the bounds of existing legal and judicial frameworks. Section 5. Accumulation and Where It Leads As markets move from overvalued to undervalued, the assets are passed on from disillusioned weak hands to more dispassionate strong hands. These value investors are not in a rush and are happy to accumulate by buying the dips over quite a long time period. On the other hand, the investors who got caught up in the hype of the preceding bull market and who didn't anticipate how long and brutal this bear market could become, they capitulate by selling into the price rallies. During the accumulation phase, the market will trade in a range. The weak hands who are trying to get out of the market take profit during rallies and thus create the resistance. And the strong hands looking to accumulate buy at the bottom of the range, which eventually creates a floor in the price. This process can take a while. Quote, Preparation for the principal movements in the market will very often occupy several months, 
This may often be preceded by a decline in which large operators accumulate their stocks. End quote. Richard D. Wyckoff, 1910. We saw a clearly illustrated accumulation pattern in the previous Bitcoin bear market when Bitcoin traded in the $200 to $400 range from February 2015 until May of 2016. As the coins available for selling run out, the market starts rising in a pattern of higher lows, which in the end give even the retail public the confidence to start buying again. This is what famous trader Jesse Livermore called the accumulation cylinder, and which others have dubbed the wall of worry. We expect to see a similar pattern during the next bull market in Bitcoin. Section 6. Fundamental Drivers of the Bitcoin Price So why would the Bitcoin market recover again this time? In our opinion, its long-term appeal is underpinned by several strong fundamental drivers. Bottom-up scaling Bitcoin stays close to its roots of being a lightweight, robust, and universally accessible protocol. It is now possible to connect to the network via satellite and to run a full node on an off-the-shelf Android phone. At the same time, we're now seeing Satoshi's vision of payment channels on top of Bitcoin implemented as the Bitcoin Lightning Network, which over time will allow for millions of Bitcoin payments per second. Over the past year, the Lightning Network has seen monthly growth rates of over 45%. Quote, Bitcoin itself cannot scale to have every single financial transaction in the world be broadcast to everyone and included in the blockchain. There needs to be a secondary level of payment systems, which is lighter weight and more efficient. End quote. Hal Finney, 2010. Quote, When I designed BitGold, I already knew consensus did not scale to large transaction throughputs securely. So I designed it with a two-tier architecture. One, BitGold itself, the settlement layer. And two, Chalmian Digital Cash, a peripheral payment network which would provide retail payments with high transactions per second performance and privacy. Nick Zabo, 2017. Sidechains are another second-layer scaling improvement. Its most successful implementation, the Liquid Federated Sidechain, allows for fast, inter-institutional settlement, asset and token issuance, and significant privacy enhancements. With core protocol improvements such as Taproot, Schnorr, P2SH, and MAST, we can expect further enhancements in Bitcoin Core for smart contract design and privacy improvements. Additionally, scaling is happening on the Bitcoin mining side. Chips are becoming increasingly commoditized, and winning companies are the ones with access to cheap electricity operating in politically stable environments. With Bitmain's near monopoly in the rearview mirror, a repeat of the 2016 and 17 hard fork debacle where miners tried pressuring the market into accepting protocol changes is increasingly less likely. Quote, the market is now clearly rejecting hard forks of Bitcoin. Next, we will see competing soft forks followed by their rejection. Only thereafter will Bitcoin ossify and become the ultimate store of value for the world. End quote. Tomas Bloomer, 2019. Financialization. 
Bitcoin's financialization has taken off at a rapid clip. In 2017, Ledger X delivered a physically settled Bitcoin futures platform, and then CME launched their own Bitcoin futures product. In 2018, we saw ICE, the company that owns the NYSE, announce both a cryptocurrency data feed product as well as their Bitcoin futures platform, Backed, expected to launch later this year. It was also the year where Goldman Sachs invested in crypto custodian BitGo and where TD Ameritrade backed Bitcoin futures platform ErisX. Planned for later in 2019 are Fidelity Digital Custody, already soft-launched, NASDAQ Bitcoin futures, and cryptocurrency custody provided by Northern Trust. According to estimates from Bitwise, daily volumes in Bitcoin futures already represent over 30% of spot volumes. Another area that is taking off rapidly is the collateralization and lending market of Bitcoin. Genesis Capital reportedly processed more than $1.1 billion in cash loans and borrowed cryptocurrencies in 2018, with Bitcoin accounting for most of the transaction value. Bitcoin's qualities of political neutrality, unparalleled security, globally accessible liquidity, and predictable financial policy are provably improving. As it matures, we expect for Bitcoin to disrupt the $100 trillion investment vertical of liquid store of value and become a globally used digital gold and reserve asset. Quote, There's something going on here. Millennials trust Bitcoin more than fiat currency. NYSE Chairman Jeffrey Sprecher June 2015. Millennials. Millennials, the generation born between 1981 and 1996, are the largest and fastest growing demographic in the world. Their total disposable income is expected to supersede all the other generations in 2029. One of the defining characteristics of millennials is that they, quote, found their way through the 2008 recession as young adults, end quote. How this informed their worldviews was confirmed by a 2016 research project funded by Facebook, which suggested that 92% of this generation does not trust banks. Having grown up with peer-to-peer protocols like BitTorrent and running open-source code like Linux, millennials are very open to cryptocurrencies. A survey from 2013 suggests that Bitcoin's early adopters, and likely whales, were mostly male millennials. Also in the current landscape, surveys suggest that the majority of Bitcoin buyers are also millennials, with mistrust of governments and growth outlook as the main motivations to buy. As the disposable income of millennials continues to grow, we expect further tailwinds in terms of Bitcoin adoption and price appreciation. All right, and now we are hitting the last section, which is the conclusion. But before we jump into it, let's take a quick second uh, to talk about our sponsor for the show. Seven, conclusion. We believe Bitcoin is in the last stage of this bear market, the accumulation phase. The current sentiment has recovered from capitulation, and the blockchain shows us that Bitcoin holders are committing for the long term again. This is confirmed by our drawdown and volatility analyses. While lower prices are still possible, Bitcoin's fundamentals are gaining momentum. 
Embraced by millennials, its ecosystem is developing at a rapid clip, both as a decentralized, bottom-up disruptive technology and as an uncorrelated, highly liquid financial asset for institutional portfolios around the world. We assert that the long-term risk-reward ratio for Bitcoin is currently the most favorable of any liquid investment in the world. We expect for it to trade in a range of 3000 to 6500 after which we foresee the emergence of a new bull market. Supported by over 10 years of infrastructure development, we believe the stage is set for mass market adoption in the coming five years. In our assessment, during this phase, it's, quote, Windows moment. Bitcoin will become widely recognized as a portfolio hedging instrument and reserve asset and will begin making significant inroads as a payment network. Cordially, Tur Demister and Mihil Escraue. And at the end here, they have a, uh, their obligatory disclaimer. Adam at Capital's Bitcoin Alpha Hedge Fund may hold some of the assets discussed. Nothing in this report or associated services constitutes professional or financial advice of any kind, including business, employment, investment advisory, accounting, tax, and or legal advice. Nothing in this report or its associated services constitutes or forms a part of any offer for sale or subscription of or any invitation to offer or buy or subscribe for any securities, nor should it or any part of it form the basis of or be relied upon in connection with any contract or commitment whatsoever. Risk Disclosure Crypto assets are a highly volatile asset class. The value of the crypto assets can go down as well as up, and you can lose your entire investment. When held by custodians, crypto assets are often not insured and usually not covered by national compensation schemes. <laughs> All right. Got that out of the way. Whew. Um, so, yeah, that concludes uh, our report from Adamant Capital, Bitcoin in heavy accumulation. Um, and uh, I thought this was a really, really good one to hit. Um, Again, I'm not, I'm not one to lean very heavily on market analysis, but I thought this was really thorough and uh, just a well, very well laid out argument. Um, so it's definitely one that's really fun to hit on the show, particularly when we have finally, you know, just in the last handful of weeks, broken out of just that, that main downtrend line. Uh, we had a clear breakup through that. And then now just today, Today is uh, Friday, May 3rd, 2019. We had a, a significant price increase last night, something like a 4 or 5% uh, jump. So I think this goes right in line with that, that you know we are in fact entering the accumulation phase and the bulk of the bear market is in fact uh, expired. So with that, uh, do not forget to throw a shout out to Tur Demeester and Mikhail uh, Leskrawit. Uh, for the amazing work that was put into this piece. Um, a really great report, and honestly, if, if you're, for the number of things that they've uh, posted, they post very infrequently on their blog for like these reports, and they do a lot, clearly a ton of work goes into putting these things together. So they are definitely one that you should 100% be following to stay up to date on the analysis that they, uh, that they give out. So uh, with that, again, do not forget to give a shout out and follow Turda Meester and uh, Mihil on uh, Twitter and, of course, Adamant Capital as well. I will link to, I'm pretty sure I tagged them all in yesterday's episode, but I will copy and paste those so that they're available just in the, uh, both in the show notes and in the, uh, uh, in the Twitter post. And, of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter as well at The Crypto Economy. 
and subscribe to the show on whatever platform, iTunes, Google Play, uh, whatever podcast platform you enjoy the most. And, um, and if you would like to support this show, uh, the two different things that you can do to support the show, we, the vast majority of what this runs off of is donations. Um, so if you would like to donate, you can go to cryptoeconomy.life. There is a QR code in the, uh, in the sidebar as well as my uh, tippin.me uh, tip jar. And, of course, you can also, if you have the uh, extension um, installed in your browser, uh, you can just drop that right on Twitter as well. Um, and if you do that, you'll actually tip based on whatever episode that you listen to. So I'll know which one, uh, which one that you really enjoyed. So that's actually a really good way to do it, too, if you find the, uh, the tweet specifically to the episode that made you want to donate. Uh, that would be that would be even more wonderful because then I'd had inf- information knowing what was what went over really well what and what you guys enjoyed. So um, thank you guys so much. And you know, one more shout out um, uh, to uh, the guys at the meetup. I actually missed last night's meetup. Completely forgot about it. I didn't even, I didn't even quite realize it was Thursday. And uh, uh, and I did not want that because I, I was trying to get back to the meetup because I wanted to thank everybody for the amazing donations uh, that they raised for me. Um, and it, tr- it truly means a lot. That was a, that was a good chunk of change, and I, I massively appreciate it. it. It means a lot that I know uh, you guys are getting value out of this, um, and it makes me, makes me keep doing it. So um, thank you guys so much for that. And the other way, obviously, that you can support is just sharing this out. Um, because I do make um, a little bit of money and am far more attractive to sponsors the more people we have listening to this show. So if you want to share it out to anybody and everyone you know in the Bitcoin and crypto space, that would be wonderful as well. Tell them that if they want to hear all the best Bitcoin content that is written down, the reports, the essays, the articles, the hype, everything, uh, this is where you find it at the Crypto Economy Podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed that piece, but we have concluded. Bitcoin in heavy accumulation, a report from Adamant Capital. And until next time, I still have not decided. I have uh, had some different weekly topics that I've been uh, wanting to jump on, and I've been discussing with myself whether or not I want to have a uh, a node week, um, just talking about the different types and elements around nodes, full nodes, and uh, all the different trade-offs associated with it, because I've, I've gathered a number of, first I want to do either my own guys take episode or uh, possibly write an article, um, basically bringing all my thoughts together on this topic. And there's a couple of uh, kind of conceptual topics around Bitcoin that I think can be applied. It's not, I won't be reading specifically things about nodes, but things that we can use to uh, uh, analyze our discussion of what nodes are and what it means to be a node on the network. Um, and there's a couple of really interesting uh, just conceptual like ways of thinking about Bitcoin that have come up recently uh, in articles and stuff that I think would be really fun to cover. But then also I want to get into another uh, week on privacy soon because there's a whole selection of those that I never got to. Um, in fact, I had reached out and gotten permission from uh, uh, Bitcoin Magazine and Aaron Von Wordham to read the Privacy Coin series, 
um, some time ago. They have one on like, it's, uh, it goes like Bitcoin, Monero. Actually, we did read the one on Bitcoin. I can refresh that one and then uh, Monero Dash and those kind of things. So um, there's a number of different things I can go, I can dig into with privacy because there's, some, there's still tons on the horizon and there's so much happening right now. Uh, so if you have a preference, if, you, if you're curious about one of those and you want to hear something about like the conceptual side of Bitcoin again, talking about the big picture and how nodes and the network architecture fit together into that picture, um, uh, tweet out that you want to hear about, you want to, you want a Bitcoin node week. And if you are interested more in the privacy and all about Wasabi and all the crazy privacy improvements that have been happening and are coming out in the near future, tag me at the crypto economy and let me know which one you want to hear. Until next time though, this will conclude our episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Um, hopefully I'll see some of you guys at the Bitcoin meetup we got going on tomorrow. Uh, somebody threw that together and I'm excited about that one. And we got the Bitcoin uh, like blockchain week or whatever it's called in New York coming up. And that is going to be some exciting stuff. So lots of stuff to cover. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, stay tuned. Check out CryptoEconomy.life for new updates. And I will catch you all back here on Monday. But until then, take it easy, guys. Mm-hmm.